Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. A second scripture lesson from the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've mentioned before that I played baseball in high school. More precisely, I made the team. I wore a uniform. <laughs> Did I actually play baseball? Not all that often, but I loved baseball. Sometimes I feel like I could still take the field. I can, I can hear the ball hitting my mitt still in my hands is the feeling of a perfect line drive over the shortstop's head. While I didn't play a whole lot for the Marietta Blue Devils, for several years being a baseball player was a part of my identity. I practiced just about year-round from age 8 to 18. 
When I wasn't sitting the bench for the Marietta Blue Devils, I played for rec league teams around town. Buck Buchanan and my dad were our coaches most of the time at, at Perry Farm by the Civic Center or Oregon Park out Dallas Highway. Starting in third grade until I graduated high school, playing baseball was such a big part of my life that when it ended, when I went to college, I didn't know quite what to do with myself. Without daily practice, I had all this time on my hands. I also wrestled with my identity a little bit. If I didn't play baseball, if I wasn't a baseball player, what would I talk to my grandparents about? <laughs> what would I do for exercise? For years after I stopped playing, I still kept a bat and a glove in the trunk of my car. Why? I'd go to Braves games and I wanted to take the field. <laughs> In fact, one game at Turner Field, the Braves were down by double digits. And so the whole stadium had emptied out with the guys I had been playing baseball with and now just watched baseball with. I moved down to nearly field level right behind first base watching the game. My friend and former third baseman, Mike Waters, said, Imagine how full this place would be right now if the Braves started the tradition of at the beginning of the seventh inning, the announcer pulled a ticket stub out of a hat, and if the announcer called your ticket number, you got to play right field for the last two innings of the game. <laughs> I still think that policy change would revolutionize Major League Baseball. On the other hand, Baseball may not be your thing, so maybe you wouldn't want to take the field for two innings. Maybe you'd be less likely to attend a game if the Braves had such a policy. But is there something that you used to do, that you used to love doing, that now you just watch people do? Take singing, for example. At some point, many of us hit this point where we get scared of someone else hearing our singing voice. Little kids don't yet know what that's like. Little kids just sing for the joy of singing. When I was young, my grandmother baked me yeast rolls all the time because I would sing to myself while I ate them. I loved them so much, I'd just get lost in the joy of eating and I would sing. That's how uh, the kids in our preschool are right now. I love our preschool so much because all the kids are just like that. Go into a preschool classroom and ask them, can anyone in here sing? It's not like the back rows of the sanctuary in here on a Sunday morning. Ask them, anyone in here know how to play a musical instrument? Well, I play the triangle, one will say. What about an artist? Anyone in here an artist? I'm an artist, one will say. I made a necklace out of macaroni noodles for my mom. That's how we are in preschool. But then, slowly but surely, something sooner or later happens to us. A friend of mine in Tennessee bought himself a guitar. Everyone in and around Nashville, Tennessee, dreams of being a big country music star. And so Tennessee pawn shops are just full of guitars. 
My friend James, he bought a guitar at a yard sale. He was looking through a pile of junk, and lo and behold, there it was. He felt drawn to the six strings, tuned it up, taught himself a few chords, and took it to rehearsal with the praise band at his church. He was up there on the stage playing his heart out with his new guitar, feeling so good about how he was sounding with the drums and the bass when the preacher told everyone to, to take a break. James, who told you to come out here and play that guitar, the preacher asked him. James said, well, pastor, I believe the Lord told me. <laughs> no, he didn't, the preacher said. <laughs> Sooner or later, that happens to all of us. We don't make the cut for the college baseball team, and we finally give up those dreams for playing in the major leagues. Our big sister can't tell whether we painted a moose or a school bus, and we realize that the only gallery our art will be on display is our mother's refrigerator. We realize we're getting sideways glances as we sing our hearts out in church. And it seems as though while the Lord may love a joyful noise, not everybody else does. That's life. And so if you go into a middle school classroom and ask, can anyone in here sing? Anyone in here play an instrument? Anyone in here an artist? Not as many people raise their hands. Likewise, on that Pentecost so long ago, we find our disciples just sitting around, not doing much of anything. Our second scripture lesson began, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. What were they doing there? Why weren't they out in the world preaching the gospel? Why weren't they out in the world living their faith? I imagine those disciples whom Jesus had just left as confused, self-conscious, and insecure. They don't know what to do without him. Had cell phones been invented in that room, they would have all been playing Candy Crush, killing time instead of living their faith out in the open. But oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets. Imagine the world if more people were out in it living their faith. Tim Hammond was my Sunday school teacher years ago. He taught a Sunday school class for college kids with Mr. Jimmy Scar. Tim and Jimmy didn't plan much of a lesson for this class. They never knew if anyone was going to be home from school to show up. So one Sunday, I was home from college, and whoever else was in there with me, we were just talking about what movies we'd seen lately. Then we asked uh, Jimmy and Tim if they'd seen any good movies. Mr. Scar said something like, I haven't seen a good movie worth watching since Jimmy Stewart quit acting. And then Tim said, I don't watch too many movies either, never have. Why would I watch someone else live their life when I could be out in the world living my own? Can you believe that? 
I've carried that little piece of advice with me everywhere I've gone. This church sent me to Argentina as a missionary intern right before my senior year at Presbyterian College, and people would ask me, why are you going down there? I'd respond, why would I watch someone else live their life when I could be out in the world living my own? I don't know if Tim Hammond knew how much him saying that to me meant. I don't know if I ever even told him. If I did tell him, I don't think I told him in such a way that he truly understood just how much of a difference he made by saying something so simple. And that's how most of us are most of the time. We have no idea of how much of a difference we make or might make if we weren't so self-conscious, too self-conscious to speak. Back to Jimmy Scar's favorite actor. I hope you've seen Jimmy Stewart in the greatest Christmas movie ever made, It's a Wonderful Life. If you haven't, put living your own life on hold just this one time to go and watch it. <laughs> Because it is the most beautiful reminder that we are all the time underestimating our ability to make an impact. Sometimes we get beat down by the world and we forget it's even possible to make an impact. Sometimes we are like disciples who have lost their leader, ashamed for having betrayed him, ashamed for having doubted him, worried that we'll never be able to live up to that example that he set so we don't even try. That's just where the evil one wants us, on the sidelines watching as the world falls apart. He wants us quiet, afraid, and ashamed behind closed doors. For once we get pushed out into the world and are free to do something, the Holy Spirit through us sets the world on fire. Do you know how powerful you are if you are willing to be used by the Holy Spirit? Do you know how much of a difference you might make if you are willing to get up off the couch, turn off the TV, and get out into the world? I had the most amazing experience last week. Roy Vanderslice has been made the executor of his next-door neighbor's estate. His next door neighbor was a private man. He never invited anyone over to his house. His only interaction with the people in his neighborhood was to complain about how their dogs kept relieving themselves in his front yard. He was a curmudgeon, a bit of a hermit, out of a determination to kill this man with kindness. Roy and Joan befriended him. They found out that he liked to make a little extra money, so they paid him to cut their grass for $20 a week. Later, they learned that he was living on a monthly check from the government and his veterans' benefits. But to make ends meet, he had to sell aluminum cans to the recycling center. Had Roy and Joan been too self-conscious to walk into that man's life, 
Or had they taken the neighborhood's word for it that the man was a lost cause? This neighbor would have died alone without anyone to help him put his affairs in order. On this day before Memorial Day, remember him. And consider with me the difference these two Vanderslice disciples made just by being a good neighbor. Consider the difference any one of us can make when we dare to, to pick up the phone to have a meaningful conversation. Or what a gift it is when we send a letter and one of our friends finds something in their mailbox that isn't a bill. Flora Speed's funeral was last Thursday. And I asked the congregation there assembled, if you ever received a card from Flora Speed at Halloween, a birthday, Christmas, would you raise your hand? And that congregation of more than 500 people, I saw just about every hand raised. My friends, sometimes we have no idea how hard is for the people right around us. Sometimes we just have no earthly idea. We also have no earthly idea of how much a difference we can make just by getting out of our houses and being willing to be used by the Holy Spirit. That's the Pentecost message, my friends. We have been inside our houses for too long. We have watched too many movies and we have watched far too much of the evening news. <laughs> Furthermore, we have downplayed the power of God to use us. And while we've been sitting on the sidelines, the world has been in need. So pick up the phone or get out of your house and walk down your sidewalk to see how God might put you to work. Life is this grand adventure if we are willing to be used by the Holy Spirit, if we are willing to respond to that nudge that pushes us out into the world beyond our comfort zone, let the God of grace release you from the chains of shame and self-doubt. And may the world be set aflame once more by that Pentecostal fire. Amen. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.